Hello, my name is Katie Indy Crow. I am an earth-walking, soul-talking crow person. In other words, a psychopomp. This podcast is a collection of my best stories, earned whilst out on the road, taking care of the planet and guiding the souls who live here. Come on in. Here's some of my psychopomp stories. The thing about being a psychopomp is that you live the stories, or at least that's how it is for me. Every single topic that I bring forward here is a part of my real life. And because of that, sometimes there are exciting changes that happen even while I'm in the process of telling these stories. And that, my friends, is very much the case for this one. Last Thursday and last Friday, as I was recording and putting out episode one, although I did not know it, Many of the people who were survivals, survivors of Maskell, as well as other experiencers, were here in Maryland in court making an argument that the statute of limitations would be able to be removed. And of course, that statute of limitations would be on how long past their life can somebody bring forward a claim about the type of abuse that this story is about. And the very next day, as I'm going to tell you in the next installment, there was a big change, legally speaking, on a case that is happening that is related to all of this. The reason I bring forward these two points is that last Thursday, as I was out living my life, as you do, I was in ceremony. It was a day that I had been looking forward to for a very long time. I don't know exactly why. I just thought and knew that this Thursday was going to be important to me. So I get out to a place that I love going to visit. I'm on the trail. And then all of a sudden, woof, I get hit, physically hit like a ton of bricks. And that hit was a psychic attack that lasted for two plus hours and was one of two worst psychic attacks I have ever felt in my life. Does any of that have to do with this story? In psychopomp world, when things line up like that, we call that validation. And for me, the validation was that, yes, I have been encountering, we have been encountering a seriously powerful and dangerous negative entity here. And this negative entity had and has had quite a bit of ability to use its influence in the material world to cause real life impacts. If this was happening to me, it most definitely can happen to other people. In this installment of Psychopomp Stories, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what it was like to track this entity and to get to know this entity and what it has been like to battle this entity because a battle it truly has been. I call this one meeting the dark entity. core principles of anthropological research is this thing called ethnographic study. Ethnographic study is the idea that in order for you to get the full idea of what's going on, yes, research is important. Yes, looking at expert data is important, but so too is going to the scene or the site of whatever it is you're studying. 
and experiencing it for yourself. And so as a person who is a psychopomp, I employ that strategy all the time. One of the things about being a psychopomp is that, as I told you in the last installment, a lot of the information that we are looking for isn't necessarily something that is already written down. In fact, a lot of what we're dealing with is shrouded in mystery. And so one of the very best things that I am able to do as a person gaining information about how to fix something or about what is going on is to actually go to the place and to feel it, to experience it, to learn about it in that direct way myself. When it came down to this particular project, those field visits were integral to figuring out what was going on. As I told you in the last installment, and I'm going to tell you more in the next, it has been difficult to get a true idea of the breadth of activities that Masco was involved in. And that is in part because there was a lot of pass around and a lot of sweeping under the rug whenever there were complaints that were made about him. And many of those complaints, if they even still exist today, are locked behind closed door in the archdiocese. And so whether Masco was acting alone and exactly how many of the places he received in compla complaints in, it's hard to officially verify that, at least right now. However, there is this little thing called being an energy detective that tells me pretty much everything I need to know. What I experienced throughout the course of working on this thing has been the most visceral, hard-hitting, hardcore energy impact of anywhere else I had ever been. And that is significant because if I was feeling it, then that would mean that other people would have been able to feel it as well. What was that feeling, you might ask? Well, this feeling has a lot to do with... um raising all of the fight or flight responses. What I was noticing and what coming to Archbishop Keogh helped me realize was that every time I was coming around Maskell or a place that Maskell had been active, I was starting to have extreme heart palpitations, anxiety, sweating, wanted to jump out of my skin. And so the reason why I was having those reactions and those responses is that that is the actual feeling that the people he was violating and that he was abusing were having as the process was going on. And this is the feeling that they were having every time they were coming and going from school, every time they would walk down the street, because not only was he at their school, not only was he at their parish, we have to remember that this guy was living amongst people. As I explained in the first installment, Baltimore is a Catholic city, or at least it was at the time that this was going on. And neighborhoods came up around the church and the priest was like a superstar of the neighborhood. And so you have this guy who's hurting people at school, at after school programs, wherever. And then you have them and the fear that they have in those actions itself, causing one layer of energy depression. Then you have them and the fear that they are having as they are coming and going, or as they might deal with this guy in and, in and around their neighborhood. So that's another layer. And then the third layer is all of that energy is something that can be used to attack or to hurt or to leverage, I guess, material impact in this reality by an energetic being. So what I discovered that this entity was doing was using this web 
of very powerful fear energy to either stimulate further fear and suck the energy and power from the people whose soul fragrance were stuck up in it, or in my case, to leverage a full throttle attack on me to stop me from getting to the places that I needed to go to unhook the souls to return them to their people so that I could then disempower it. So by now, you're probably getting the idea that whenever I commit to a project like this one, it's not just something I do once in a while or for a week. They can take years and years out of life. And so there are times when the energy of what is happening with the project just lines up with what you're doing and you don't necessarily have to check the news or know what's going on or talk to anybody else because the universal flow of energy and your ability to connect to it will put you always in the right place at the right time. That's how that works, right? And so for me, being at my ceremonial best, which is an everyday process for me, means that I'm just always ready to hear the call of the universe. And so I had been hearing the call for Thursday. What was the date? I'll give you the actual date. For Thursday, February 23rd, is having been a really important day. And I had earmarked it in my mind as being something that I was excited about. And so I got to go out to one of my favorite places. And as I was at that place, I was hiking along, enjoying the sun, enjoying the warmest day we ever had. And then all of a sudden, bam, I'm hit with a wave of anxiety so bad that I almost pee my pants. And not just pee my pants, I almost made me want to throw up. I started having all of the experiences of a panic attack. And I basically was in the state of being for a little while where I couldn't walk. And now I know enough about energy and who I am that when something like that comes up out of the blue, it is because there's something that is really serious happening in energy. And so because I was in a really positive and happy state just minutes beforehand, I knew that I wasn't having like a clinical thing go on. I knew that this was an energy thing that was expressing itself in the physical form because your thyroid gland and your pituitary gland will pick up when there's danger in your environment or sometimes if there's something that is really powerful that is trying to hurt you, it will target those particular energy sensor mechanisms in the environment around you to try to leverage your own fears so that it will throw you off the course that you were on. So after about two hours of trying to make steps in the woods, you know, I, I don't want people to think, oh my God, this thing almost took her out. No, mentally I was okay. And I knew that it was something energy management wise. And so as long as I have that, I'm good. Don't worry. But I will say it was absolutely terrifying at the time at the same time, because your body is doing that and you're alone in the woods and you don't know how you're going to get back. But that's what a psychic attack is, right? It's meant to make you feel weak and helpless it is made to make you go into a panic state and it is made to put you in a place where you are, in fact, debilitated. So step by step, two hours comes and goes and I finally get back to my husband and I get in the car and I'm like, I am not sure exactly what is going on today in the world, but this is something serious because I just experienced the most intense and long lasting psychic attack that I ever had in all of my life. And that includes an all of the crazy adventures I have been going on. And that says something. Well, within the next 24 hours, I came to find out that there had been two notable events that had happened in legal proceedings 
that we're going to be incredibly powerful to tearing down the dark web of energy that Joseph Maskell had been contributing to. The first happened on Thursday afternoon in a location not too far away from where I was when I experienced the psychic attack. That afternoon, people who had been experiencers of Maskell's violations, as well as other experiencers, came forward in the court to make an argument to our government that we should think about repealing the statute of limitations on how long somebody is able to report a violation like the ones that this story is about. One of the reasons why that was a big deal is that energy and entities and horrible experiences like what all of this is thrive in secrecy. In fact, the only way that Maskell was able to do all that he was able to do was because of the culture of secrecy. And the culture of nobody really being held accountable was creating a fester zone where it became a free-for-all for this type of activity, which is also something that became validated the next day. More on that in a second. My idea is that when these people were preparing to do their thing, the negative entity was preparing to attack them. And what it would have been like if it attacked them while they were doing their thing is it would have made them unable to speak or too afraid to speak effectively when they were in front of the people who were going to be hearing whether this statue should be repealed or not. It would have perhaps made people like legal professionals or the political representatives who were involved think one way or the other. It could have created a chaotic event at the actual hearing or meeting itself. And the list could go on because if it was, remember, this negative web and this entity was powerful enough that it could attack me and it was powerful enough that I could feel it anytime I was near where Maskell had been active, then of course it was going to be powerful enough to mess up or to mess with people who it had had direct firsthand contact with in particular through these violations. And so what I reckon happened is that as it wound up for them, I stood in front of them and I fought it so that they would have the chance to do their thing, their brave, courageous, awesome thing without being hounded and attacked by it. The second big point that happened came about just 24 hours later. Now, if any of you saw The Keepers, you know that a lot of people feel that there has been a major government cover-up happening here where either the Archdiocese has been reporting it and nothing is being done, or there are just little technicalities like that statute of limitation come up that just seemed to give or seemed to have given these predators the upper hand. Well, that all started turning around very recently. In December... The Office of the Attorney General here in Maryland released a report um, that it had been doing over the past few years, and that report was into um, cover-ups of abuse in the Catholic Church specifically. And so that report, as I'm going to talk about more in the next in the next uh, installment, found that there had been 158 priests who had been accused of violating people's personhood 
here in Baltimore that were associated with the Archdiocese over the past 80 years. And so at the time that these legal proceedings and that this report was generated, it was put forth to be released to the public. And at the time, the judge on the case said, no, we're going to keep all of the proceedings related to this private because there are, you know, um, a number of people who are indicated in this report who have not yet been held accountable in a court of law. So there are people who are being accused of abuse here in this document that has that is in the hands of legal people and still it seemed like there was nothing being done about it well that officially ended last friday my friends because guess what that day the new judge who had been put on the case said guess what we're going to release this report we are going to redact some names mind you but we are going to release this report because the culture of secrecy that has enshrouded this has allowed it to go on for far too long. And part of the vindication and validation for the experiencers is for this information to get out there, to be made publicly available, and for the legal system and the church to stop protecting the predators and to start protecting the people in doing this. After I've heard those two things, the strength and the veracity of what I experienced made perfect sense. In a lot of ways, I think that that was the entity doing everything it could to throw a wrench in what is now about to be the full disclosure of what had been powering it. As I'm going to talk about in part three, now that I know that there are that many people who were acting in these activities, and according to this report, not one parish was untouched, and some parishes had multiple priests who were doing this at once. I understand the dark web of energy a lot more. I understand why it has been so hard to fight this thing. And it's because stated very clearly, I believe that a serious negative entity, potentially the devil, did what it could to create chaos amidst the first Catholic city, the first growing archdiocese in America. And I, I personally believe that the energy that got embedded here is something very old, something that traveled with settlers, and something that has done everything it can to destroy our lives here in the new world. As I'm telling these stories, I want to be very clear that I'm a person who loves Jesus and Mary. I was raised in a Catholic church. I had a lot of very positive spiritual experiences and the best priest ever. I also work a lot with nuns. I'm not trying to perpetuate hate against the Catholic church. In fact, I see that there's a lot of beauty in it. But what I can also say is that having experiencing pretty directly, there are terrible, dangerous, awful, evil entities that work to get into the minds and the hearts of people who have authority. And I know that because I have had those things try to get in my mind and in my head too. And do I think every one of these priests is a scumbag? I don't think anybody who abuses people is is doing a great job. But at the same time, I also recognize that the culture of secrecy behind what happens, the culture of secrecy behind the fact that there is a demon, the culture of secrecy behind how to protect yourself from it has created the space where a lot of us are sitting ducks. And, you know, in, in my opinion, and this is just an opinion, the Catholic Church basically destabilized itself from any protection of these attacks when it took women out of the picture because this is our specialty. And that's why a lot of the time you will hear women as Valkyries or as women doing this. 
this is something that we are very powerful at. And if you really want to know the truth, the same exact demon that I found here is the one that I think influenced that movement in the church as well. And I have receipts for that statement, and I will present it in other Cycle Palm stories in the future. Not because I'm trying to take the church down, but because I love Jesus and Mary. And I think that one of the major things that these negative entities was trying to do was to turn people against them and to stop people from being able to find a true salvation that exists in that love. And so that's why I ride for it hard and talk about it often. I think this is about the natural space where I begin to wrap up this little segment of our story. Being a psychopomp is a full-on experience that is not just in the etheric realms. It is physical, and the material and the metaphysical are deeply interconnected, and part of what I live for is to make sure that dark, evil, nefarious metaphysical entities are no longer preying upon the people of Earth like they had been for the last epoch. It really is one of my reasons for being. If you like this story and you would like to hear other ones, please subscribe to this podcast. I am going to be releasing a video, a documentary video with real life footage of all of this to my YouTube page, Esoteric Earth. That's going to be released on Friday, February 3rd. I am also going to be doing some information sharing in my private members community, which you can check out at Esoteric Earth at buymeacoffee.com. As I make my way into this day, I smile knowing that right now I can feel people who are connected to this getting themselves ready to go back into court because today we have more of legal proceedings around the statute of limitations being lifted. My name is Katie Indy Crow. I appreciate you being here and listening to these psychopomp stories. <laughs>